Welcome to Shooting Straight, this is Derek Lane, and I'm joined with Ushi McKearns and Paul Dwyer to discuss the biggest decision of the year. I mean, do you pick someone who's under federal investigation for using a private email server? Or do you pick someone who called Mexicans rapists, claimed the president was born in Kenya, proposed banning an entire religion from entering the U.S., mocked a disabled reporter, said John McCain wasn't a war hero because he was captured, attacked the parents of a fallen soldier, bragged about committing sexual assault, was accused of 12 women of committing sexual assault, said some of those women weren't attractive enough for him to sexually assault, said more countries should get nukes, said he would be forced the military to commit war crimes, said a judge was biased because his parents were Mexicans, said women should be punished for having abortions, incited violence at his rallies, called global warming a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese, called for his opponent to be jailed, declared bankruptcy six times, bragged about not paying income taxes, stiffed his contractors and employees, lost a billion dollar in one year, scammed customers at his fake university, bought a six-foot-tall painting of himself with money from his fake foundation, has a trial for fraud coming up in November, insulted an opponent's looks, insulted an opponent's wife's looks, and bragged about grabbing women by the How do you choose? Gentlemen, it's a presidential battle that is worthy to be on Veep rather than, you know, the actual presidential race to become the most powerful person on the planet. But we are going to comprehensively break down where this race could be won and lost, how the two candidates got to this point, and maybe mention one or two little bumps along the road. So, Oshin, how did we get here? Well, Dara, let's start with the Republican side. Back in February, Iowa was the first state to vote in the primaries, and it seemed that Donald Trump hoopla would come crashing down, as Ted Cruz took Iowa. But the Trumpster took the next three states that followed, and he won comfortably as he took an early lead over Ted Cruz. The warning signs for a failed campaign for Jed Bush, however, began to appear as he only took four delegates and consequently dropped out. Over on the Democratic side, it was virtually a two-horse race between Hillary Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders, with the pair virtually tying in, tying in Iowa despite taking an early lead after winning his home state of New Hampshire. It was always going to be an uphill battle for Sanders, and Clinton had hundreds more pledged delegates than Bernie. She took a lead going into Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday! Moving on to Super Tuesday. Traditionally, whoever takes Super Tuesday becomes party nominee, as it decides nearly half of the delegates needed to reach the 1,237 delegate target, and Trump took 7 of the 11 contests, taking a total of 255 delegates. Cruz won his home state of Texas, as well as Alaska and Oklahoma, to earn a total of 218 delegates, as the rest of the field began to dwindle. And then Clinton began to take control of the race wing 8 of the 12 contests, including the big prize of Texas, as she took a sizable lead. All seemed just lost for Bernie. Between Super Tuesdays, Cruz could not make up any ground on the Donald, as the Trump took a further five contests to Cruz's tree, with Marco Rubio and John Kasich's paths to victory becoming even more likely as the campaign rolled on. In mid-March, Hillary even furthered her lead, winning a further eight of 12 contests, but Bernie seemed to get some momentum with an upset in Michigan. All was not so rosy for Hillary Clinton. That 
The hammer blow finally came down at Super Tuesday Part 2, as Trump took 228 of the 336 delegates on offer, only losing Ohio, which was which is John Kasich's serves as governor. Paul, it wasn't as straightforward for Clinton as it was for Trump, though, was it? No, it wasn't, because Sanders began to gain popularity among young voters and made a name for himself abroad as he beat Hillary comfortably in the Democrats' abroad vote and won eight of the nine contests in late March, early April. This race was getting closer by the day, but ultimately Hillary ran out the winner, taking contests in New York and Pennsylvania, and eventually reaching the Democratic Convention as the party nominee. And finally, on the Republican side, the rest of the primaries began to become a formality, as Kasich and Cruz eventually dropped out of the race, meaning Donald Trump would be accepted as the party's nominee in the Republican Convention in July. Stay tuned where we will have an interview with Professor of Journalism Stephen Knowlton, where we will discuss how this election will be won and lost by either candidate. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I tell you that. We are now joined by Professor, professor of Journalism Stephen Knowlton to talk about the US election day. Stephen, how are you? I'm fine, sir, and yourself? I'm good, I'm good. So, just first things first, a few months ago you were on News Talk at the start of primaries and you said that Donald Trump had no chance to become president, yet here we are. How has he hung this long despite all the controversy around him? Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is that Trump has successfully tapped into a serious strain of discomfort and unhappiness and grievance among certain chunks of the American electorate. And he has appealed to that extremely well. That's one. Two is he has appealed to the baser instincts that we all grapple with and has been overtly and I think shamelessly sexist, racist, misogynist, and um, has pandered to people's sense of grievance and things like that. Uh, three, he is a an extremely entertaining reality television show personality who knows how to use uh, modern media to very good effect. Um, it is not, you know, when he got involved in sport, it was with professional wrestling uh, and of that sort. He is a showman uh, for the ages. And then four, he's running against um, an extremely unpopular uh, candidate in Hillary Clinton, who has an awful lot of baggage and who is either tied with or is running close behind Trump uh, as the uh, least attractive candidate that anybody can remember. So you add those things up, and then you have a whole bunch of people in the Republican Party, the party leadership, and the other 16 or 17 other candidates, all of whom were afraid of offending the hard right, the alt-right base, um, that has been such a part of American politics now for 25, 30 years, ginned up by the Republican Party to come up with shock troops, and you can add it all up and you can see where he got. Now, I was surprised that he got the nomination. I thought there were several things that would have happened, but none of them did, so here we are. 
And moving on to just yesterday, both of them, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, focused most of their final day of campaign in Pennsylvania. There are 20 electoral votes up for play there. Clinton had a big lead in polls, 9 to 10 points just a week and a half ago, but it has now been eroded to just two points. Is there a chance that Donald Trump could snatch this tonight? Um, sure. I mean, there's a, there's a chance. Well, if we If there were no chance then we wouldn't bother voting. We would just look at all the polls and the analyses and the demographic data and cancel the election. There is a chance. The best analysis and a lot of very serious people are studying a lot of numbers that have been hard come by. And the best analysis is that barring stunningly incorrect or mistaken information, uh, Clinton will carry Pennsylvania. And if she carries Pennsylvania and the rest of her blue wall states, she will get at least to the 270 electoral votes she needs to win. But yeah, it's possible. The One of the gurus of forecasting, a fellow named Nate Silver, who burst onto the scene eight years ago now, uh, puts the odds Clinton's odds are a little better than two to one. Most of the other people in his line of work, um, Nate Cohn from the New York Times, Chris Caliza from the Washington Post, etc., put Trump's odds at less than one in ten. But yeah, it could happen. The other big talking point is Florida. Yep. It's a virtual toss-up in Florida with a poll of polls saying Trump has a slim lead of just 0.2% of a point. Um, back in primaries, Trump and Clinton both had identical primary voting numbers, even though Trump was running against Florida man Marco Rubio. How do you think this could pan out? Well, I mean, that is probably the closest to a legitimate toss-up that we have. Um, the polling, as you say, has gone back and forth within an extremely narrow range for weeks now. I mean, then you look at the polling aggregators, and Florida will flip from pale red to pale blue two or three times a day based on the polling that comes in. Um, if it is, in fact, a dead heat going in, and that seems to be about where it is, then we say, what else do we know that would help break that tie? We come back to the uh, extraordinary early turnout among Hispanics in Florida, most of whom will go for Clinton, and then we're, we're back to ground game. And the Clinton people have had a remarkably well-organized, meticulous and organized ground game. Um, and Trump has very, very little of that. He's done none of his own. He's relied on the states, uh, the Republican Party's uh, campaign apparatus to get out the vote. People who do this for a living and who put a lot of money in it say that a good ground game, that is knowing who all of your voters are, making sure you get in touch with them as need be, going by their houses and picking them up and taking them to the voting place, and then stopping for a Starbucks on the way home, or whatever you need to do. Uh, Clinton knows that level of detailed information about every voter in the state of Florida, and that kind of ground game is generally thought to be worth maybe one and a half percentage points, maybe two. 
in a close race. If that's the case, then one and a half or two points will be plenty for the Democrats in Florida. Um, she doesn't need to carry Florida. It would certainly help her case. And, you know, the larger the electoral vote majority, the easier it will be to try to govern, or the closer it is, the harder it will be to govern. If Trump is to take Florida, however, he will need New Hampshire and Iowa to go his way. How important do you think these two states are? They are both virtual toss-ups. Can he get wins in both of these states? Well, sure. I mean, you can add the numbers about any... I mean, you, you get an electoral map, and you say if he had this one and this one and this one, then he'd get to 270. Sure, if he carries Florida, if he carries North Carolina, if he carries Ohio and Iowa, then it gets very close when you add in the states that are going to be Republican no matter what. Uh, you can get to a case where the four votes in New Hampshire will be crucial. On the other hand, he could pull off an upset in Michigan is a possibility. It seems unlikely to me, but it's possible. Uh, there are two states that award one electoral vote for a, uh, for a congressional district. That's Maine and, and Nebraska. Those might be vital. Uh, he would probably need to claim Nevada. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can put these together in a bunch of ways, and the race going in today is, broadly speaking, within the margin of error for most polls. Looking to states that Trump may be losing his lead in, North Carolina is the one that people are focusing on. He holds about a 1% lead there. Do you think Given South Carolina is a solid Republican state, the marginal crossover effect may come into play and help carry Trump across the line? No, I no. don't. North Carolina and South Carolina are worlds apart. I grew up almost on the line between North and South Carolina, and they happen to share a name, but they're not very much alike. North Carolina is much more like Virginia than it is like South Carolina. And, yeah, it is possible. I mean, you can... You can squint hard and say Trump might carry Oregon, but it's not going to happen. Um, the car carrying North Carolina, that one's awfully close. And, yeah, it could, it could go Republican. I don't think it's likely, but it could. Will it be race over then if it doesn't? No. I mean, if Trump carries Florida and if he carries North Carolina, and if he carries Iowa, which he probably will, and if he carries Ohio, which it is probably a slight ever, he's probably a slight favorite there, then I don't know what he's up to because I don't keep the numbers running in my head, but if you add those and you take Michigan and you take uh, Nevada and you take, you know, yeah, you can add it up and get to 270. The odds on the the money markets are betting that he will not get to 270 or even 260 or 250 but it could happen it certainly could and as i say things are fairly close to the outer limits of the margin of error and of course polls are sometimes wrong and as nate silver continues to point out there's an enormous amount of uncertainty in this campaign because both candidates are widely disliked by people who are going to vote for them anyway. 
and the three third-party candidates uh, will get some votes. Now, how many Gary Johnson or Jill Stein people will get into the poll, will get into the polling place and say, you know, I'm not going to throw away my vote. As much as I dislike it, I'm going to vote for this person or that person rather than because I want him or her to not be elected even more than I wish to indulge myself in voting for a third-party candidate to show that I'm morally superior to the whole operation. I don't know how many of those people are going to go, and we don't know how they're going to break. Um, you can build a case for saying eventually they will break Democratic, and you can build a case for saying eventually they will break Republican, and we simply don't know. It has been a long time since we have gone into a race with as much as 10 or 11 percent of the electorate declaring that as of voting day, they don't know how they're going to vote. Now, we have a huge amount of early voting, um, and that's stuff that's already in the bank. Uh, it looks very good in the early voting states in Nevada and in Florida, but some of the key states don't have early voting, um, so, like Pennsylvania. So we don't know. There is more uncertainty here than an awful lot of people are comfortable with. At the time of the second presidential debate, the tapes leaked of Donald Trump bragging about sexual assault, yet that has all seemed to have blown over come polling day. Do you think the reopening of the Clinton email scandal is a hatchet job of sorts and an attempt to sway voters towards Donald Trump? Sure. Um, there's no reason for the director of the FBI to violate protocol, procedures, rules and regulations of the agency and <clears throat> say, well, you know, actually maybe there's some more stuff that we uh, have just come across that might be useful in prosecuting a case against Hillary Clinton. We'll let you know. Um, the attorney general told him not to do that, but she was not able to insist that he not do it. Um, it was a pretty clear violation of FBI rules and protocol. It might be a violation of the Federal Hatch Act, which prevents civil servants from getting involved in politics. Um, sure, of course it was. There's, there's no other way to read it. And then nine days later, he says, you know, we looked through all those and there's nothing there. Now, he knew about the existence of the emails on the Wiener laptop weeks before he wrote the famous letter 10 days ago to the Congress. And there was no reason to send that letter over on a Friday. If he could sit on it for two weeks, he could sit on it for another 10 days, which is what FBI procedures and standards say to do rather than run the risk of either influencing a political race or appearing to. Generally, the FBI doesn't do anything in the last 60 days unless it has an absolutely compelling reason to do so, and he didn't. So, yeah, that was the point. He is a Republican. Um, there are serious reports of a near mutiny within the FBI, uh, anti-Clinton, anti pro-Trump, and it may be putting as good a, a sympathetic a light on it as one can, as one can muster that um, Comey felt it was better that he released the information than that it be leaked out by rogue FBI agents. I don't think that holds water, but that's about the most sympathetic uh, picture of it you can paint for Comey. But, yeah, of course it was. And finally, 
do you think it's going to be a case similar to 2012 where the media made it a lot closer than it actually was? Will it be a landslide Clinton in your own opinion? No, I don't. Well, I, you know, we've, I don't know. And it is not true that the media, whoever that is, you and me, I guess, um, made the 2012 race appear a lot closer than it was. That's not true. It is, as it turns out, the results state by state in 2012 were closer to the high end of the margin of error than at the low end of the margin of error, given all the polling that was happening. So, no, I don't accept that the media, uh, deliberately it sounds, you're suggesting, um, were trying to gin up the numbers by pretending the race was not going to be a blowout. I don't know. You look at all the major poll aggregators as of an hour ago, and they, and this is Cook, and it's the AP, and it's CNN, and it's the Times, and it's the Washington Post, it's the AD, and all those guys, plus Nate Silver and his people. Um, they all pretty well say Clinton has about a three- to four-point lead in the electoral vote nationally, and that will probably translate to somewhere north of the needed 270 electoral votes to win. But, yeah, I mean, margin of error are such that she could win 350 electoral votes or she could get 230 and Trump would win. Those are all real possibilities. Okay, thank you very much for taking your time to speak to us, Stephen. Okay, it's my pleasure. And we hope you have a good evening watching the results come in. Thanks so much. All right, see you, Stephen. Bye-bye. Bye. Trump's ideas aren't just different. They are dangerously incoherent. They're not even really ideas, just a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies. Hello and welcome back to Shooting Straight. Now, we were speaking to Stephen Knowlton just before the break, and he said that ultimately it will go down to five or six states um, for the big election. So... The big talking point here would be Florida with 29 electoral votes. Polls indicate a virtual toss-up and a win here could decide the next president. Now, gentlemen, how do you see it unfolding here tonight with Florida? Yeah, Florida is a really key state in this election. Uh, they voted Democratic in 08 and 2012. Um, and Clinton has been ahead in the most recent polls. Uh, that was by Opinion Savvy and Quinnipiac is by 2 percentage point and 1 percentage point respectively. However, Trump is leading by 4 in a recent Trafalgar Group poll. Right. Although... As I was saying before, we do have to take Trafalgar Group polls with a pinch of salt because that is a Republican poll. Ah, okay. Um, Fairly skewed. Yeah, that was administered on November 6th. And Real Clear Politics, they have Trump ahead on average by 0.2 percentage points. So really, this is this is a quite a toss-up, I think, there. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Oshin. But going back to 2009-2012 uh, on Democratic, but it was, again, it was a toss-up at that time as Very well. Tight. In 2012, uh, Obama won by 0.9% of a point. Mm-hmm. He won by 2.8 in the landslide victory over John McCain. So that just shows how split this state is. Mm. Um, as she said, the poll of polls, Trump polls the lead. But the only polls where he's actually up are the Republican polls. It's uh, CBS has it down as a, as a dead heat between the two of them. Yeah. They can't call it. So... This is the most important battle. You can you can throw most of the other states out the window. We know what way they're going to swing. If Florida goes away at Trump, this whole presidential election has been turned on its head. Blown wide open, all right. Yeah, cool. Uh, guys, the next point is supposed to be North Carolina. 
because Trump cannot afford to lose North Carolina. Uh, he was said to have it wrapped up a few weeks ago, uh, but I don't think it's quite fallen that way anymore, by the lo- by according to the polls. Uh, what do we think there? Yeah, um, it, the Real Clear Politics do still have Trump ahead, uh, one percentage point lead. However, there was a New York Times poll uh, very recently and had it at a tie. So it could, again, either way here, there. Yeah, I agree with you there. Again, the same thing as the Trafalgar Republican poll has Trump as a sizable lead, so you take that with a pinch of salt. But then there, there are other surveys which have him as high as a seven-point lead, but then other surveys have Clinton with a yeah, three-point Qu- lead. Quinnipiac and Gravis both did uh, recent polls, and they had Clinton ahead by small margin. So, But this this is... Fairly unclear. Like If, <laughs> if it goes... In, Donald Trump cannot afford to lose North Carolina. That's a simple fact no, of the matter. No. And if he loses it, a lot tonight a lot of good things have to happen for Donald Trump. He has to hold on to Nevada. He has to hold on to North Carolina, as well as taking out of Florida or Pennsylvania. So this is essential for him to get North Carolina here. He'll probably take South Carolina if he can take North Carolina as well. And he takes Florida. That's the whole region of that country where it's just completely red. But as we hear from Alden, North Carolina and South Carolina. Different, different, different worlds nearly by the sound of things he was yeah, saying. So yeah. Again, could go either way. All right. Um, lads, Pennsylvania looks like it would go Democrat after vo- having voted Obama in 2008 and 2012. And it looks set that Clinton may snatch it, but will it be plain sailing for Clinton? Uh, I don't think so, Paul. Okay. I don't think so. Because just over a week ago, Real Clear Politics average had uh, Clinton up by six percentage points. But now the lead has now been cut to just 1.9 percentage points. Is that so to do with the, perhaps the reopening of the emails then? It could well be. Um, it could well be. But this, again, it's it's so tight. I mean, Pennsylvania is a big state. Uh, and if Trump can, can sway that one, then he's he's in a good he's in a good place. Yeah, and really, uh, Clinton seems to have all the cities tied down in Pennsylvania, the likes of Pittsburgh, etc. But Trump has a lot of the rest of the state is completely red. Um, as O'Sheen mentioned, it was only a week and a half ago, before you said the email scandal resurfaced, mm-hmm. that uh, Clinton had this tied down mm-hmm. and everything was going rosy. Day by day, the polls have just tightened, and you saw the two of them. You could see yesterday Hillary Clinton was in Pennsylvania because she was like, "Oh damn, I I might actually lose this," you know. Given it is, it is a it's a blue state by and large. I mean, Obama won it by ten point three percentage points in two thousand and eight. That just shows how one sided it normally is. Mm. Whereas Donald Trump has really attacked it over the last week and a half, two weeks. It's paying dividends from. If he pulls off an upset here. This this is just this just changes the whole game. Definitely game on. It's huge in fairness. And uh, if Trump does happen to take Florida, could it all go down to Iowa and New Hampshire where it all started for these candidates? Both toss ups in the beginning. Oh, Iowa is massive. Iowa's massive. It's only six electoral votes, but it's huge. Um it's one of the most it's it's a huge toss up in swing states. Um if you look at the polls, Trump has never been behind in any of the four way polls since t- the start of September. He's ahead of five, tied in two. Um there was a recent one by Loris College. Uh, first it was administered on the 1st and 3rd of November that had Clinton ahead by one so there's a lot of things here but then if you look at the, the most recent poll by Des Moines Register and Everson College they have Trump with a sizable lead 7 points and 3 points respectively again we can go to the other side and look at Google surveys if you look at Google surveys for Iowa um, they have Clinton leading over Trump by 10% that was done August 17th to November 2nd so it kind of just goes for where you're looking because there's a, a, a lead for Trump a lead for Clinton a lead for Trump it seems I I think Trump will probably come out on tops in Iowa. Um, New Hampshire is the closer race. It can really go either way. It is very possible that he could take both Iowa and New Hampshire. That's 10 electoral votes right mm. there. He takes Florida. That's... And if basically all the good things happen that we're talking about for Donald Trump, 
it there is a possibility it could swing his way. Like, think, yeah, Iowa, I think is a, is a tough one though. I mean, you you're kind of uh, going on about New Hampshire there, but I think Iowa's the big one because they voted Democratic in 08 and 2012, but they voted Republican in 04. And Trump also lost the Iowa caucus to Cruz. So that could well be a factor here. I mean, he does, though, in the latest polls, it says that he has a three-point lead in Iowa. Yeah, this, and the seven-point as well, boy. There's more we saw that. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a, that's a a very big lead. I'm not sure how, like, it could be, as you said, Paul, about the, the emails coming back out that mm. could have swayed a lot of voters. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still a tight, definitely. The only thing about Iowa, back in the primaries, that was, it was where it all started, the Iowa caucus, yeah. and Ted Cruz actually beat Donald Trump, so could that be a factor tonight? Yeah, as I said there, I think, um, I think it could well be, but as you said, those polls are speaking for themselves recently, and a seven-point lead is a big lead, so. Okay, gentlemen, just really quickly, uh, predictions for tonight then? Um, I'm going, I don't think we can, I don't think we're going to see many upsets. I don't think we're going to see Trump taking Florida. I don't think we're going to see Trump taking Pennsylvania either. So by that margin, I'm going to say Clinton. Yeah, well, I was. Just, I, I did a bit of bit of searching here last night, and if you're going towards this, in terms of solid states, Clinton has 203 points in the bag already. It, 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 nothing's going to change yeah. to that. Trump has 164, so that leaves 171 swing states. After that, if you're not including Florida. You're not including New Hampshire. You're not including Iowa. You're looking at about 65 going towards Clinton. You're going 67 going towards Trump. So that leaves Clinton with 268, only two points off the 270 required mark to get over it. But that leaves Donald Trump with an interesting 231. Florida, he needs... So aside from the close ones where there's like Nevada and uh, North Carolina, if all things go well, um, he'll, he'll get his 67 points. But then he will need Iowa, New Hampshire, and Florida all to go his way. And even if he is to pull off an upset in Florida, it's hard to see that he will get both Iowa and, and New, New Hampshire, Hampshire yeah, as I well agree. as holding on to Nevada. So, I mean, weird things have happened. You know, look at George Bush back at the start of the 2000s. It's a possibility. But I'm going to say Hillary Clinton will push to around a 300 point mark just okay. about but it's not as plain sailing as it really should have been no, for her I agree ok thank you gentlemen for your take on the swing states there when we come back we will be talking more on swing states and battlegrounds with DCU professor Kenneth McDonough from the School of Law and Government we'll be right back after this let's say China 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 we are joined today by international relations lecturer Kenneth McDonough. Kenneth, good to, good to speak to you today. Thanks for having me. I think we'll kick it straight off, Kenneth. Florida tonight seems like the big prize. There's 29 electoral votes there. Poll suggests a toss-up for the win, kind of. Um, it could prove vital, though, for Donald Trump if he gets it. Do you think Donald has a chance here? He certainly has a chance. It's been a, a historical swing state. Um, the polls, they're suggesting it's very, very tight. Um, but Hillary has been consistently in the lead. Uh, the other thing that's really important to note in Florida is, is to get out the vote. Uh, and that sort of democratic machine that Hillary is really well organised, the field offices pushing people out to the polls. Um, so Jess, I think she has an advantage between that and the early voting as well, of course. Um, so I think it's possible for Trump. It's essential if he wants to have any any hope. So if, if Florida goes Clinton's way, we can all have an early night, have a nice <laughs> night's sleep and, and, and relax. If it goes to Trump or if it's close, then it's going to be an old nail biter. A couple of sleepless nights ahead. Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> game on. A couple of sleepless months with Florida's <laughs> yeah, record. <definitely. laughs>
Definitely. Um, Pennsylvania's other major talking point uh, over the past 10 days with Clinton's email case being reopened, her lead has shortened from as high as 10 points to just 1.9 points and even lower in some polls. Sure. So just the question I'd ask is how surprised would you be to see Trump hijack this state? I'd be quite surprised. I mean, the polls have tightened, but on the polling averages, it's been pretty consistent around 3 to 4 percent towards Clinton. It's also quite strongly historically Democratic state, at least since FDR um, in, the, in the 1930s. That said, if Trump is going to upset and turn a, turn a blue state red, it's going to be a state like Pennsylvania or maybe Michigan. Right. And if he doesn't win Florida, he absolutely yeah. has to do this. Okay, wow. um, but I, I can't really see it happening, to be honest. And one thing to look at there is in the Senate race. Mm-hmm. You have an incumbent senator, uh, Pat Toomey, who hasn't endorsed Trump yet. He's a Republican. Um, he said he's going to vote almost at the last minute tonight, uh, which suggests he isn't that confident that saying he supports Trump is going to help him in a very tight race where a Democratic challenger is just slightly ahead of him. Right. So looking at that, you'd suggest Pennsylvania is going to stay blue tonight. Okay, cool. So do you think these two, Florida, Pennsylvania, are where it could be won and lost? Uh, I think Florida. I think okay. uh, my, my inkling is Florida. Hillary has it in the bag. And it's going to be a comfortable, more comfortable night than um, I suppose more of the head up media coverage might have it. Yeah. Trump also has to hold on to Nevada and North Carolina to stand a chance. Are there any other states maybe you could look at maybe New Mexico or Michigan where Hillary could be shocked there? Um, I can't see it in New Mexico given given the demographics. Yeah. Um, and there seems to be a very big Latino surge, which we've been expecting for the last three or four electoral cycles. But there seems to be good hard evidence that it's happening this time. Um, you certainly could see New Hampshire uh, go Republican. Again, it's, a, it's, it's the kind of state where Trump could do well. It has a lot of disgruntled white folks. Um, and, and that those are the kind of people who are going to go to Trump if, if anyone is. Um, he has to be winning states like New Hampshire. Yeah, we saw New Hampshire he's going to have a, 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 any hope at all. It did get tight. It did swing to Trump, but it swung back into Clinton in the last couple of days, mm. which suggests there isn't a huge Trump bump, if you'll allow yeah. me that, uh, you know, it, w- waiting in the wings. Okay, perfect. And just, um, Ken, just your overall prediction on how tonight's going to like unfold. Um, I, I've tweeted this, so it's written in stone. So oh, I think oh, it, I, I think oh. Hillary is going to win with about three hundred electoral votes. You think so? Um, it, it, could, it could go above that. I think it's going to be pretty comfortable. Okay, so no, no, no shocks. <laughs> Famous last words, but no, <laughs> but no shocks. And I'll be on TV tomorrow. So if you want to see the egg in my face, okay. I'll be there if I'm wrong. Okay, listen. Thanks a million, Kenneth. No worries at all. Cheers. Thank you. So that concludes our shooting straight election special for this year. Big thanks to Professor Stephen Alton. Professor Kenneth McDonough for joining us on the show and we'll see you next week for another edition of Shooting Straight.